All right. I mean, old mate has just started pulling some leaves <laughs> through there. Um, Am I going to get swooped? I don't, no, it won't, it won't get swooped. It's just like crunch. Crunch, crunch, crunch happens. Crunch, crunch. Like, it adds to the wear and nature. Like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I back it. We are definitely <clears throat> nature. We are in nature. Kind of. Yeah, this is a weird tree. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do it. Talking about stuff, talking about things, talking about you, talking about me. It's not a our country. And we are celebrating. It is Canberra. Conversations in the capital. Hello, my name is Henry. Welcome to Canberra conversations in the capital. Today, surrounded by nature at the Australian National Botanic Gardens, I am joined by visual artist Dan Power. Over the last half decade, Dan has combined a love of nature with his brains in evolutionary biology to produce some hauntingly beautiful pieces of art. Ranging from vibrant watercolours to highly intricate pen and ink drawings, Dan's award-winning work has illustrated the diversity of nature, the delicacy of life, and the importance of conserving the planet. Wow. How are you doing, my that's, friend? Um, that's an introduction. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I can live up to that stuff. Oh, the haunting's a good adjective. That's, yeah. oh, I, th- mm. I think so. Yeah. I've seen your artwork. And it's, it's very poetic. It's very... I just really like dead things. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, even like right now, the fresh air, the wide open spaces, the National Botanic Gardens, it's just peaceful and stunning. And you were just showing me around before. Yeah. I'm sure the amount of flora and fauna here has been a source of inspiration for your artwork. It is really good to be able to like sometimes be researching about a particular plant or like a threatened species and then just be on a stroll here and be like, oh wait, hang on, I'm pretty sure that's, oh yeah, and being able to like <laughs> at least vaguely pick out any endangered flowers and stuff. Absolutely. But also it's just, it's just good. You come here often? I'd say pretty often. I'd say like at the moment about once a fortnight. Yeah. Um, it's just... It's one of my favorite things about Canberra is the fact that nature is always close. And like, be it Mount Ainsley or Mount Majura or just like being able to go for a bushwalk, but like that doesn't always happen for me. So being able to just pop into the gardens is just perfect. It's like, I'm just going to spend 20 minutes of my week in a rainforest. <laughs> and you do that. It's, it's yeah. It's very, very centering. Definitely. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Like they call us the bush capital and it's, yeah. you see it here. We also happen to have one of the best botanic gardens in, my, in Australia, in my opinion. Like it's, yeah. It's very lush, very well taken care of. And also just like the fact that you have all these ecosystems that you would have to travel like hundreds of kilometers to get to. Like we have, there's a desert. Yeah. You can go and look at <laughs> desert plants. It's like, it's Canberra. It's like we have a rainforest. It's like, it's, it's Canberra. And it's like, yeah, we've just put these here. And like they've been growing for decades now. It's That's really, it. really established. I mean, when you're younger, like the main complaint of the city is like, there's no beach. But at the yeah. same time, there's like, like you just said, there's a rainforest. There's yeah. a desert. There's no beach, but there's lots of sand here, which, you know, you could, you know, roll around and fill your clothes with and then have the same experience at the beach. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> now, something that I think is pretty amazing. Mm. I don't know if I want to say it's as, like, more amazing than the nature we're sitting around, but I think it's pretty close. You're a self-taught artist. Yeah. Yeah, you, you've been practicing visual arts since 2014. Yeah, professionally. How, yeah. How, how did it all get started? And how has your artistic style and method been influenced? If by anything it's just always been there drawing has always been a thing um, I've been doing it since I was tiny yep. I had a lot of encouragement to do it at home which was really really important mm-hmm. um, and like alongside that was also the love of nature so like always going on bushwalks with my parents and stuff as well but just like all the way through school instead of taking notes or paying attention in class <laughs> I was drawing and that was just 
kind of accepted after a little while. Um, Were you the kid that was just like doodling stuff? Yeah, in notebook totally. Like I had like... one notebook that was just like <laughs> the back cover was covered in these drawings. Um, and one English teacher who was right and let me get away with it. But I always, it's very easy to subscribe to the idea that uh, a career in visual arts is not a career. And back in the long, long ago, before I'd even really thought about what I was going to do when I grow up, I'd sort of assumed that, you know, I would uh, get something that was more like a normal job, something that was like more like a traditional career and be able to follow that along and then, you know, do the art stuff on the side. Um, and because you, you have a degree in biology. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what that would have been. Yeah. It was kind of like the choice then when I finished school to like study visual arts or study biology. And yeah. I'd always been fascinated by both. And it was sort of kind of came down to it that I would always keep drawing. But if I was doing a visual arts degree, I was less likely to teach myself evolutionary biology. So I was sure. like, okay, I'll go and I'll learn that. And that way, if I do need to get my quote unquote day job, <laughs> then I can do it in science and I can still be really, really fulfilled by that. And I can just do sort of art in the background on the side. But then as I went through when I did my research year, um, which was long and tedious and like actual science real research science um realizing that that wasn't necessarily what my brain was good at yeah and yeah the idea of continuing that with a phd and then going through and doing that as a career would be hard <laughs> like just an uphill battle um yeah and no, i was like okay i mean and that's and that's fair enough but you've taken a lot of what you've learned from there you know and then and, and you put in your art like yeah absolutely your first award entry you won the uh, the other what South Australian Museum's National or Waterhouse National Science Prize. So it was like the Prize? Emerging Artist Prize from the National. Uh, sorry, the Emerging Artist <laughs> Prize from the Waterhouse Prize run by the South Australian Museum. Yeah. So it was the first thing that I'd ever entered into an art prize, and I can say now that winning the first thing that you apply for is really going to screw your expectations <laughs> for the rest of your career. I've had much more rejection than I could be getting used to that um but that was kind of phenomenal because it, it, it would have been a huge changing moment for you yeah though, right? like one of those like was that the moment when you were like this is a thing like it felt or, like it was a, the one of the first times it was really starting to pay off um, right. i'd always been really fortunate that i had lots of people supporting me and like i would be like oh yeah i stayed up really late last night drawing something and they'd be like whoa that's oh, what did you draw and say and show them things this is you you made that and it's like yeah how long did it take you long time <laughs> But that, yeah, it's always been so much positive reinforcement. So it was always, always felt like I was doing something good, but it was one of the first times where it was like, I'm actually, there is something to this. Like sure. the idea of being able to put conservation and nature together is something that many people have done successfully throughout time. It was like, oh, that's something that I, I can do. That's, yeah. That was really affirming. And also incredibly conveniently timed. I was going to say, because like, Moments after that, you were just straight away off to Europe. Yeah, right? I'd already planned this uh, six-month trip. Like, one evening, I was actually like, okay, I'd had one or two exhibitions in Canberra, and I was like, okay, that's really good, and I want to keep making stuff. And I'd Googled how to be an artist, because <laughs> sure, yeah. I'd always assumed that that's what you get taught in art school, but apparently that's also not the case, and there's just no, <laughs> there's no real guidance for it. Um, and one of the things that it mentioned was like, yeah, uh, artists might go away and do residencies. And I'm like, what's a residency? <laughs> oh, you just go to a place and make stuff. <laughs> and then I sort of looked up for a couple of those. And it's like, okay, hang on. I like the idea of going on another trip. I'd sort of traveled in America before, like between finishing my degree and starting to do the art stuff a lot. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that was really 
rewarding. Um, so I'd booked in my head, like, okay, I'll have six months in Europe and I'll just sit, see what happens. Like, I want to go and check out the art scene in Berlin and see how that all works. I'd booked a residency in Italy, which was like, okay, that'll, that'll be good. And then applied for a bunch more that I had no idea how I was going to pay for. Uh, and then, the, like, the week, like, might have been eight days before my flight out of the country, I get a call from the South Australian Museum saying, uh, we've awarded you the Emerging Artist Prize. Um, do you want to jump on a plane to Adelaide tomorrow and come and collect the award? And I was like... Ah, yes? yes, okay, and then suddenly, yeah, I just had this huge boost in funds, and, like, it was the type of thing, it, yeah, it couldn't help but be a good omen for that trip, um, but then it was also just this really weird, confusing flurry of a week, I was like, okay, pack up my life, gotta, gotta go to Adelaide, get this art prize, and, like, yeah, put everything in a bag, and then jump on a plane off to Europe right with yeah it was kind of like open ended where it was like okay I've got a return ticket but also I might not be coming (laughs) back soon so we'll see yeah yeah and you mentioned what Italy Berlin the the art scene over there is thriving yeah there's a lot going on Um, do you have any like really fond memories from the time over there it's one of those ones where it's hard to try and disentangle a couple of moments um like any art related or just I mean, in general? In general, I suppose. Like if it's art related, that's that's cool too. But if there's, I think one thing that sticks in my head the most is just like the days of just wandering around by myself, mm. and it would just be like, okay, I'm in this part of the world now. It's like I was off the coast of Italy, and I just spent a couple of days in Naples waiting to go to this art residency. And after like <laughs> a month of traveling and like hostels and shared rooms, and it was just really hot. But then it was also, I was just kind of done and I'd managed to get the motivation up. Somebody had told me to check out one of the islands off the coast called Prochita, which is like a little, little tiny island um, village. And I'd booked a ferry ticket the night before, drunk and excited, and woke up the following day and it was raining and horrible. And I was like, this, ah, <laughs> I don't want to be bothered. But I was like, okay, I'll try. It's a bit late. If I can make it to the ferry, then I'll go. But if I can't make it to the ferry, then nothing lost. But I'll try. And then it was bucketing down rain on this, like, cramped and sweaty, humid train. And as I got out of the train station, I was like, okay, cool. I, I'm going to have to, like, walk. I think it was, like, 10 kilometers. It's like, okay, so that means I'm going to have to pretty much run. Yeah. Uh, and then I found, like, this broken umbrella that somebody had thrown out. <laughs> and I was like... But it wasn't too broken. It was, like, enough to kind of work. And I was like, okay, cool. And I managed to, like, leg it to the ferry station and get on board just as it was leaving. And it was like, okay, well, uh, now I'm going to spend my day in this tiny little island in the rain. (laughs) With, like, a half-broken umbrella. Yeah, and it was just kind of like, (laughs) worst comes to worst, I'll just find, like, a little cafe and I'll sit and I'll just, like, take my little sketchbook and I'll have a day drawing there and that'll be pleasant. But then, like, as I was on the ferry, like, the sun started coming out and I just spent the entire day just wandering around and, like, climbing on these like old ruins of like old forts and provincial houses and stuff with those gates with little tiny holes underneath that you just boop in and it was just ridiculous like yeah just there was a lot of that just kind of this sort of exploration but then also uh lots of time like lots of time just sit, sitting in cafes just drawing and just sketching and that being a was, good way to spend time did any of the art that you did or the sketches that you did in europe end up being used yeah no there was um when I got to Berlin, that was a, Berlin is a very, very busy place. Mm. Uh, and there is a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of art going on. I had a massive case of uh, Little Fish Big Pond, mm. which, because I just run the prize in Australia, going to an art scene which is so 
full of so many people doing so many different things in so many different ways and kind of having this weird like oh, I've just done something big oh <laughs> and it's be, it's like completely irrelevant to that entire scene um, it was interesting but also like very very mind opening for I guess the way a lot of other people approach their practice and I guess what you can do with art as well yeah like just going and seeing like these huge installations or like massive rooms or like this abandoned um, air control tower called Tempelhof okay which just became like an anarchist street art gallery <laughs> um, that is entirely removed from kind of like the white walls of what art galleries usually are yeah it's really fun and yeah but also then uh, <laughs> having to sort of remind myself it's like okay, I'm here to do a residency which means I'm here I need to actually produce some work so trying to find the balance between that and like there was a drawing that I did over the course of a month which I probably spent 200 plus hours working on and like breaking that down into like the course of a couple of weeks it was just like there was days upon days where I wouldn't leave my studio and I was like okay this is this is fine and I was worried that if I'd go out I'd like get sucked into an eddy of like some massive happening or like meet some wonderful humans and get like distracted on an adventure for the next four hours but yeah it was good doing a bit of bit of snooping mm. you know I, I was looking through your Instagram amongst other things mm. and I was really surprised to find out that back in 2018 you had painted or helped paint a mural in Mr. Wolf yeah one, one of the city's nightclubs yeah that was a fun one that was um one of the first times or like second time that I'd done something street art related yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't street art it just ended up being a really massive mural um but it was a fun situation where there was another artist one of my best friends, Luke Hadland, mm -hmm. and he and I had our first and second shows together. Um, he and I used to live together. We used to share a studio. We used to make all of our stuff kind of alongside each other and both yeah. just pull these crazy late nights of drawing. And then this opportunity popped up with like, okay, uh, we need some artists. Uh, we'll pay for the paint. There's the wall. There's the sound system. <laughs> and there's the bar. And it just like ended up being us working there for like, two months just on this massive mural being like what do you I'm definitely gonna have a jelly how about we have a mandala jellyfish with like a fox head but like a wolf head but also like a human head all coming apart interlaced together with more jellyfish tentacles and a like psychedelic like dripping forest <laughs> and it was just like yeah of, co of course it made me wonder are there any other pieces of damn power artwork just across Canberra that are just quietly hidden in plain sight that I don't that I don't know about or that people I might not know about I don't think in Canberra no like there's a couple tucked around Melbourne um, oh. there's one in a tiny town called San Petito in Italy there's <laughs> one in Berlin uh, but there is actually um, plans for another mural to be done in Braddon okay um, so the Braddon Collective has been trying to put together a street art festival cool which unfortunately got interrupted because of COVID mm. um, but they've got a bunch of businesses who have decided to put up their walls available for artists and I submitted a design for that one and that's been approved so at some point uh, probably like the start of next year there'll be a street art festival and I'll spend a bunch of time painting a massive mural on a wall in Brighton. That's yeah. really cool and actually on that note of the COVID pandemic yeah has has COVID made it any easier for you any harder for you to maintain your art because I'd assume on one side of things you have a lot more time now. Yeah. But on the other side of things there's far less opportunities because... Yeah. It's been a funny one. So 
I've been really lucky in the sense that I had a another job at Questacon where I was able to stay on and keep getting paid, which has put me in a much better place than a lot of other artists were, where that's their primary source of income. Um, I sort of decided a while ago that like trying to pay rent by making art is a really stressful way to live <laughs> your life. Yeah. And I, I did that for a little while while I was living in Perth, and it was it was it just sucked a lot of creativity and a lot of energy away. Hmm. Um, yeah, so there was a couple of opportunities that went like the Street Art Festival, there was an exhibition that I will be having at the Brunswick Street Gallery in Melbourne cool. that has been pushed back indefinitely because of the awful time that they've had with COVID. Mm. Um, but the severity of a pandemic and the impact that that's had on people and communities and like the arts aside, I had a pretty good time. <laughs> like, there, was, I, there was a lot of different things that I wanted to start doing. And like, I, I've been getting to a point recently with my practice where there's like all of these different directions that I want to start moving in and finding the time to commit to them or more importantly, the time to be bad at them. Mm. And just like, I'm just going to try this and see how it goes. Um, and not having like to go to work or having like a thousand social obligations or like all of these really beautiful other things that I spend my life doing just kind of stopped mm. so I was like cool six days a week <sighs> <laughs> guess I'm gonna start taxidermying like and that was always something that I wanted to learn and start practicing and I had the chance to do that during COVID and then there was um I've been working a lot with animal bones and just dead things for last couple of years now pretty much since the Waterhouse Prize which was uh, the first of the skull artworks mm. that I've ever done and it was like that did well I'm going to do lots <laughs> of those um, but then trying to push that along to the sort of next level which was uh, starting to do bone carving which is really exciting I did also have plans to go to Indonesia this year um, mm -hmm. there was a very influential book called The Last Chance to See by Douglas Adams and basically one of my favorite authors going around the world and looking at the state of conservation and looking and basically yeah trying to get a glimpse of these really really rare and endangered animals before they disappear forever and there was a point where I was like reading it and reading it again and just being like hang on this that's that's amazing I really wish I could I could wait I could do <laughs> that like <laughs> Yeah, it yeah. just like sort of clicked for a little bit. I was like, Indonesia's quite close. Komodo Island is a part of Indonesia. I haven't spent any time in a tropical rainforest. And as good as art residencies and stuff were, they're, they're an expensive way of going to live in another place and making things. Mm. Where it's like, okay, if I, instead of like doing that affiliated with an art residency, just like went and traveled to a rainforest and like spent time looking at plants and looking at animals and going and look at these giant lizards and be like, that's... A big lizard. That's a cool that's a lizard. Big that's lizard. That is okay. That's the biggest. Okay, good. Um, but then also like the, I was really looking forward to the chance to like contrast between like um, Borneo rainforest and palm plantations. Cool. And just go and have to look at that and look at these places that are getting destroyed and like feel that kind of process and then look through like the impacts that that's having and the reasons behind it and then trying to get all of that into this some sort of idea soup to right. then make artwork out of that. Um, so like, I guess missed some opportunities or at least had them delayed, but the brain space was really good and it's so much easier to, you know, I feel like a lot of people in my life have to put up with the, oh yeah, that'd be fun, but um, I've gone draw. <laughs> and yeah, it's like when I'm deep in a work or deep in an exhibition, it's like, that's, that's like 50 or 60 hours a week yeah. and it's usually obscenely late at night and I turned into <laughs> a very strange human. So like not having those, I guess, uh, 
other things going on. It was just like, I'm just going to lean into this. And I did go strange. I was, was going to say, has your, has your sleep schedule improved at all these last few months? Or? Not recently. No? no. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> trying to balance the, the late nights and like early starts to work. Uh, uh, <laughs> like even if I'm responsible with my body clockers, it's not 3 a.m. yet. It's not time to sleep. But oh. yeah. Unlucky times, but hey, fair enough. You, you mentioned before conservation. Yeah. And I know how much you love the natural world. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, the last summer that just went by, 2019, 2020, would have been difficult, right? Yeah. Over 11 million hectares of the country burned, nearly 3 billion animals impacted, and then just top it off, the nation's capital gets a hailstorm that affects everything. We are walking around before the gardens, you were showing me all the things that yeah, got hit by the hailstorm. Yeah, so much hail damage in there. It, it just seems to be one thing after another. Yeah. Climate change is real, this, this, this is for yes. certain. What kind of advice would you give to those trying their best to mitigate and adapt to the planet's warming? Uh, one, divest your superannuation and change your bank because those are two little things that will have a massive impact. Like, unfortunately, that wonderful machine of capitalism is, is doing a marvelous job pretending that it's not happening. Uh, and our current political institution is more than willing to accept that answer because they're governed by the fossil fuel industry, which sounds all very conspiracy theorists, but it's like, <laughs> that was also one of the hardest things. We're like, um, there have been points of like environmental catastrophe before, and there are points where uh, having these terrible things happen, like massive bushfires are a part of Australia's ecosystems, but they've usually had the resilience to bounce back. Because so many things are changing all at once, that resilience is gone. And that's where it really needs human support. And what it's received instead is one of the highest rates of land clearing and deforestation in the world. And I'm not talking the developed world. I'm talking like we are currently performing worse than the Congo is in terms of preserving their forests. So it's like you lose 11 million hectares and then you log the rest. And it is a level of frustration that is infuriating. And it's like when you've got these massive cogs of these huge machines kind of operating around you, it's like, what, what am I supposed to do here? Now I get stuck on that a lot because I like the idea of being able to make art that talks about conservation and mm. I d- and art that sort of, um, looks into these issues from like a scientific standpoint and actually gets people to think about them. But I've been struggling with how effective, that actually can be hmm. in the sense where it's like it's one thing to oh yes this is a bird and it's going extinct I drew it <laughs> and it's going to sit in a white walled gallery and maybe somebody will buy it uh, what does that yeah it hmm. seems <laughs> I feel like it'd be easier if I went and chained myself to a tree <laughs> but also I feel like I'd struggle if I chained myself to a tree uh, I respect the people who do do that a lot but yeah, trying to find ways to make that change happen and not accepting the reality of it. Um, which is a weird one, because of course the reality of it is uh, it's happening fast, it's happening at an alarming rate. We're in the sixth mass extinction. Uh, Australia also has the highest rate of extinctions of any animal species, plant species, and uh, yeah, in the world. Which is ridiculous, again, considering that this is a developed country that should mm. be able to get its, like, priorities straight enough to be able to preserve what we've got to tell people all these facts and figures and say that you know this is all very very horrible and this is how much has been lost and this is how much climate change is going to affect it's like that's cool but if you're not combating 
the emotional disaffection that comes from it. The feeling of being like, I'm too small to make a difference. Like, yeah. these problems are just like... And they, they are beyond the individual level. I cannot stress that enough. Like, it's, it's, you are not the reason for climate change alone, solely, and personally. Like, you <laughs> did, and I feel like that many days, and those are the days that I don't get out of bed. Like, yeah. it's just like, I'm the reason the world is dying. Me. Just <laughs> me. I used single-use plastic yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, trying to combat that side of things and, like... Uh, creating this narrative of hope because it's yeah. like if you lose hope then you lose the things and the thing with extinction is that once they're gone they're never coming back like yeah. it's it's a one way bridge so yeah trying to stop people being hopeless about it before it's gone and I, I think I'd say art is doing a very very good job at that and I hope so if, if we're to speak on your art you've you've presented a lot of exhibitions in Canberra already you yeah had, you had evolved you had trees and bones unnatural yeah. histories uh I think they've all been just as beautiful and thought-provoking as the last, but do you have a favourite amongst them? I think Unnatural Histories was probably the best one. That was the most recent one with Luke Hadland. Um, and that was a body of work that like, we'd both been collecting over a couple of years, but also then a lot more stuff that was targeted towards conversa- uh, conservation. And also just like the fun part where it's like he came up from Melbourne and there was a three-week period it's like let's make something <laughs> we just bashed out like this entire body of work working 12 hours a day like for I don't know 14 days straight yeah. and it was so much fun um, yeah but it is kind of funny like reflecting on it because I've got another one coming up um, it's going to be opening in December at Smith's Alternative but it's I've been trying to figure out what it's called and it's kind of like the exhibi- parts of the exhibition that I wanted to have in Melbourne um, that I will have eventually, mm-hmm. but just trying to figure out how it's all going to fit together. I've got other works going. I've got another piece in the Waterhouse Prize this year, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then trying to like figure out how all the stuff that I've made recently fits together. And uh, it's all burnt. Like there's, there's like one drawing that I literally set on fire. There's one about like a billion dead animals. There's like a couple more drawings that are set on fire. There's a bunch of things that I've been doing in laser cuts recently. There is a bunch of laser cuts that I will have about animals that were impacted by the bushfires. And like, it's funny because you think about that as an isolated kind of event. And I get, I'm getting scared when it's like, oh, it's a, oh, it's 25 degrees. It's nice. It's, oh God, there's a breeze. Everything's gonna be on fire. The smoke's gonna come soon. And, like, kind of thinking that it's almost, you know, that's something that's happened and it's behind, but it's, like, I hadn't fully realised how much that had influenced things yeah. until I'm looking at it and be like, ah, fire happened. Okay, <laughs> good. Yeah. That's fair enough. And finally, to finish off, my friend, the floor is yours. Is there anything you'd like to say? I think I've already had a really big rant about conservation and how you should divest <laughs> your superannuation and all these other bits. Um, so I'm hearing is. Henry's just very good at coming up with questions. Yeah, they're very good questions. It's very targeted. You kept me quite on track. I don't know. I think one of the other ones is, like, important. And it's something that I think about a little bit. Is just, like, when you've got a bunch of, for lack of better words, tree huggers or animal lovers or conservationist types going, oh, we've got to protect nature. It's really important. Like, there are so many reasons that it's important. Like, the fact that it underpins the entire planet is pretty important. The fact that trees make the air that you breathe is pretty important. But honestly, like, spend time in it. Because it's just like this reset button for your brain. Hmm. And it just reminds you that you're a weird animal who has a lot of stuff, but also a lot of other weird animals and forming these really complex relationships in a really, like, strange world. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. But then you go and you, like, sit in the forest and it's like, okay, 
I came from here. Like this, this is like a setting. It's a, it's a lens to view yourself through that just kind of makes everything a little bit easier. And I also hope that by people having that experience and getting to have that contact with nature, like they realize that it has an intrinsic value outside of the things that it does for us or how much money you can make from it. Yeah. Just go get, go look at a tree. <laughs> They're really good. And like, you'll probably see a bird who's doing bird stuff and it's going to be having a great time. That's also like circling back to the gardens. It's one of the favorite things. I bring um, a little nephew here. He's like three. And we've started to play one of my favorite games ever, which is pointing out all of the good trees. And the best thing about that game is they're literally all really good. All so you good can't, trees. it's just like, that's a good tree. That's a good tree over there. Yeah. Go look at a good tree. Good trees are amazing. Yeah. Dan Power, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Definitely. My name is Henry, and from the National Botanic Gardens in Canberra, this has been Conversations in the Capital. Stay safe, be kind, we'll see you soon.